0: newspaper since 1971 all right ladies and gentlemen you want to know what's going in the world today just insanity everywhere i look absolutely everywhere i look this and like the total scale of insanity i might argue that this is well like in the the story i'm about to cite is in the lower part of the top 10 because at least it doesn't uh involve war, just shooting people, et cetera and so forth. But this is insane. Uh, Here we go. Headline in today's New York Times. In rape case, politics raced ahead of news. Ten-year-old's abortion spurs heated debate. I I can't even get the words out. A ten-year-old was raped uh, in Ohio and um, needed an abortion uh, in Indiana And somehow or other, MAGA, looking for anything they can to divert attention from their insanity when it comes to the issue of a fertilized egg. MAGA, you are insane with this obsession you have with the fertilized egg. Uh, Has turned this into a journalistic crusade, which is so bizarre. The fact that MAGA, which pays subservience to a man who lies at the drop of a hat. (laughs) that suddenly they're crying out for truth. There's so much insanity embedded in this article, ladies and gentlemen, it just sort of epitomizes our time, where we are politically speaking, where we are journalistic speaking, watching the Washington Post bend over backwards to sort of like placate MAGA was one of the most embarrassing spectacles in the history of journalism. And I've lived through a lot, okay? I lived through the Washington Post giving cover To Mark Felt, the number two guy at the FBI as Deep throw, pretending like he was a knight on on his steed coming to rescue the country. So I've lived through a lot when it comes to liberal journalists bending over backwards for MAGA. But jeez. All right. I'm losing my ability to be coherent, which is always in doubt when I talk about MAGA. So I'll turn things over uh, to my distinguishing guest and ask him uh, to introduce himself. And perhaps he could shed some sanity. Into this world of lunacy. Take it away,
1: distinguished guest. I think I'm going to disappoint you on that second point, Ben, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm David Ferris. I'm an associate professor of political science at Roosevelt University, contributing writer <laughs> at The Week and at Newsweek, and the author of It's Time to Fight Dirty. Democrats can build a lasting majority in American politics by making Joe Manchin irrelevant. So I add a little bit to the subtitle there. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this abortion thing, it's so crazy because they're so desperate for it to have been a hoax um, because the actual merits of the of the case are so horrifying um, to, to anyone with a conscience that they don't want to talk about the underlying issue, which is that they want to force 10-year-olds to carry uh, their rapist's baby to term. Um, That is, they are now forced birthers, um, religious tyrants, and they are desperate for anything to change the conversation away from what the Supreme Court has just done to us. Um, And it's not working. And um, you can see that in some polls, which is, I don't remember the last time I came on here and had good news to talk about with polls. But uh, um, if there's a silver lining here, it's that um, people don't like this. They, They don't like, um children being forced to carry rapist babies to term it's not popular even in even in Ohio and Indiana I don't think this is a I don't think this is a good plan for them well let's just think
0: about that for a moment that uh, Indiana is the relative land of sanity in this issue i that that's us pause to think about that the home state of mike Pence. that's how bad ohio has gotten that they're turning to indiana i i there's, like i said there's so much that's insane uh in this story uh and it's really not I mean, this particular story is not what I want to talk to you about, uh, although I probably will write about it, because I do think, um, as you were saying, uh, it really is symbolic of our times. Uh, Yes, you mentioned polls uh, and abortion and the issue uh, it'll have. So let's start there. Uh, I have a few things to address with you. First of all, I also must recognize uh, uh, that uh, David is sort of playing in pain today. Uh, He's just getting over COVID, so uh hope everything is well in your life and in your family and that it wasn't as bad as
1: it's it's a bummer it's like uh, you know kind of thought we were through with this and then um now it's like i guess the plan is for us to just get it three times a year and hope for the best uh i don't really know i mean we you know we were traveling it's not like we were hunkered down in our house like i don't know how i got this you know um, but, uh, it's just, it's just dispiriting to every, every time you think it's like, you're going to have a little bit of freedom. Um, you get slammed with this virus and you got to cancel a bunch of stuff and retreat home. It, it, it is what it is, but my wife and I had it. We're, we're both fine. So we'll call that, a, we'll call that a win. I just, I hope there's some, I hope there's a plan on the horizon here to, uh, get updated vaccines to us or something. Um, because I think a world in which we all get this several times a year is, is going to be you know, the markedly less pleasant place to live than, than 2019.
0: Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll hold off on a COVID conversation for another time because, uh, I, I do believe the political edge of COVID, uh, has been blunted to a degree. Uh, Democrats don't even want to talk about COVID as we head into uh, November, uh, which in, in itself, now that I think about it is, uh, is is a very strange world because I b- personally believe that Democrats did the right thing in two thousand and twenty uh, when uh, the pandemic hit, but now they're acting like they're ashamed of what they did and they're retreating from it, and don't want to talk about it, so uh, so afraid of losing the proverbial swing voter in uh, suburban Wisconsin or Virginia. Uh, David, more madness in the universe.
1: We could do a whole show about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we,
0: could. we could. I know we could do a whole show about this. Uh but let's uh let's deal with uh the issues of public opinion polls uh and the impact of abortion and we'll start there. Uh so yeah, I can't remember the last time you were on the show but uh it, things were looking bleak uh for Democrats. Things were looking bleak in general for democracy. Uh I believe it was definitely you were on the show uh before uh, Dobbs, the, the ruling in Dobbs, uh, viscerating row was released by the Supreme court. We knew it was coming, but it, it came with a boom, a resounding boom. And, um, so the pollster and quipster for the New York times that we love to make fun of Nate Cohn, uh, came out with an article, which I dutifully sent to you that, um, even Nate, who loves to get clicks by, uh, triggering Democrats by just predicting doom and gloom. I think, that's what he gets off on. Even he, <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but it's neck and neck. <laughs> uh, so, uh, David, try to make sense of this. Uh, where do you think the country is uh, right now as we look uh, toward the midterms?
1: Sure. I mean, I think that these polls show pretty clearly that the electorate is being pulled in different directions by different factors. Um, the overall economic situation is not great um you know the the year-to-year inflation from june to june was over nine percent um and a lot of ordinary people are really feeling that um you know i know that inflation benefits some people weirdly but but um i think people on the lower end of the income spectrum and especially people who haven't been able to like change jobs and 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 earn some kind of wage premium i mean uh, uh, some people yes but a lot of people are making the same amount of money they were making two years ago um and uh and their paychecks are smaller and uh gas prices have come down in july but you know there's a long-standing psychological social science finding that people uh just remember negative things more than they <laughs> than they remember positive things and so I, I think that uh people are still sort of stung from the six dollar a gallon gas of, of six weeks ago um and it may take some time for for those jobs to to register with them um there's a number of signs of a recession potential recession coming you know so just overall uh you know a mixed bag on the economy but some very visible negative things and and that's always bad for the party in power and democrats are ostensibly the party in power even though we don't actually control the senate (laughs) thank you joe manchin um and uh and and it's being blamed on President Biden, who has just dreadful approval ratings, um, in this same poll that shows a neck and neck race for Congress, um, Biden is at 33% approval, um, which I think is the lowest number he's registered in in any poll since the beginning of his presidency. Those are like George W. Bush in 2008 numbers, um, just just a disaster. And yet... Uh, and yet, despite all of that, um, despite Biden's sort of like manifest inability to seize the moment or <laughs> rally the troops or get behind some more radical propositions that might um, get his base voters to turn out and, uh, and exact vengeance for what's happening. In spite of all that, Democrats are are, are roughly even in the, in the race for Congress, according to this, uh, what we call the generic ballot poll, which asks people whether they would prefer a Democrat or a Republican for Congress. Um, so... Nate Cohn's poll here shows uh, Democrats leading by a point, 41 to 40. Um, And that's, you know, I wish it was 50 to 49, (laughs) because 41 to 40 is a lot of undecided voters. Um, And I think that those undecided voters are precisely the people who are being, you know, cross-pressured with different kinds of news from different directions. Um, And the the Supreme Court decision gutting, overturning, not even gutting, they just straight up overturned it, overturning Roe v. Wade um, the decision about, uh, that made gun laws more liberal, or sorry, more, um, permissive, which uh, people also didn't like. Um, this is sort of like a back-to-back, um, uh, attack on, on our, you know, the, the peace and sanctity of the country really. Um, in other words, expanding kind of freedoms that people don't want expanded and restricting the kinds of freedoms that, um, uh, that people don't want restricted. It's just like, Supreme Court is doing the absolute opposite of what the what the general public thinks should be happening right now. And because people are not stupid and they know who put these they know who put the Supreme Court in power. um, They are blaming Republicans for it justly because this is this is the Republicans' handiwork. Um, They've been working for this moment for 40 years. Um, And I think anyone who thought that Brett Kavanaugh or Neil Gorsuch was going to step back from the brink here and, and not go through with it. Were, they were just kidding themselves like Susan Collins. You know, um, they did not put together um, a, a long term social movement vetting all these Supreme Court candidates only to have them at the last minute decide not to not to overturn Roe v. Wade. So so they did it. Um, and the the blowback from that is is you can see it in polls. Um, it's not just that the generic ballot polls are tied um, in a, or and some have Democrats leading. Uh, really, the only polls that show Republicans leading the generic ballot right now are are sort of republican leaning pollsters like rasmussen and um trafalgar not not that they've always been wrong um, but but they are the only ones still showing republican lead on this stuff and just one more thing um, is that individual polls of individual races in the, in different states tell an even more optimistic story for democrats uh, there was a poll out of michigan yesterday which showed incumbent governor gretchen whitmer leading by by nine points Um, There was a poll showing Catherine Cortez Masto with a healthy lead in the Senate race in Nevada. Um, Multiple polls have showed um, Democrat Tim Ryan leading the race for the Senate in Ohio. Um, A poll today showed um, incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock in Georgia leading his um, insane, (laughs) mentally unstable, unfit for office opponent Herschel Walker by several points, not as many points as I would like. But um, the, the truth is you take all of these state polls together and the story that they are telling is completely incompatible um with the story of a red wave it's just it's just not it's just not the picture that we're seeing um and that's not to say that republicans cannot still clean house in November they, they very well might um but uh, but I think that the I think that the Dobbs decision as as horrendous as it is um for um for women and anyone uh, who needs an abortion um and uh and for men too it's just a terrible decision for the united states right um as terrible as it is it has reset the race um i think we you know last time i was on the show i said you know if anybody if anything (laughs) if anything can change the dynamic here it's that supreme court decision um and in fact it has changed the dynamic and now it's kind of up to democrats to to seize the moment and see if they can you know see if they can bring it home here um i'd be lying to you if i said i had a, a great deal of confidence in our octogenarian leadership to do that <laughs> well that's a whole other issue
0: uh the octogenarian leadership let's put that aside uh i always say it's the dobbs decision uh and what it has unleashed uh, that has sort of jolted america by that i mean the dobbs decision simply uh, got rid of abortion as a national right a constitutional right uh, and left it up to the states as you know uh and so it's what the states are doing that is bring it at home. You know what I'm saying? So just in the abstract, uh, a Supreme court decision means nothing to 90% of Americans, but it's what it gives the freedom of these uh, state reps and state senators and governors who are Republican to do things like, outlaw abortion, even the case of a rape of a 10-year-old. They're like, whoa. And then you're getting into the whole issue of can uh, women be, will, will they be allowed to travel across the state lines to get an abortion? Will they be prosecuted for doing that? And it's just, the MAGA is unleashed. And I think, and this is the question really what I'm leading up to. MAGA has been unleashed for quite a while without any serious repercussions at the polls. And this is what frightens me the most when I view America, uh, and so I'll tie. Let's put abortion on the back burner for a moment. Talk January sixth insurrection investigation. That's a popular topic on this show, David. We don't. You and I don't have a lot of conversation about it but with other guests. We do. We get it. We take the deep dive and all the revelations that are coming out of that congressional hearing. Was an attempted coup in our lifetime by Donald Trump, and yet I see no signs. What's most no signs that the Republican Party is going to pay a price for going along with it? There's, as far as I can tell, there's two Republicans in the whole country who are outspoken in their opposition to Trump's attempted coup. One is Liz Cheney, the other is Adam Kinzinger, and they have both been essentially ousted from the Republican Party. And wh- what does that say about America today that? an attempted coup is supported by roughly 50% of the electorate.
1: It's a, it's a very sad statement, um, about the ability of Republican elites to take, uh, a plain truth and, and launder it through all of their various propaganda outlets until they have convinced a, a majority of rank and file Republicans that up is down. Uh, you know, the sky is purple and Donald Trump was merely exercising his right to contest the election legally. Um, And a lot of people can hold that simultaneously, like these two ideas. Um, One is that the insurrectionists were mostly Antifa people, um, and it was a left-wing false flag operation. At the same time, nothing they really did was all that bad. It was just a few, you know, people just got out of hand and got carried away. And, you know, they said, go to the Capitol. So I went to the Capitol. Now it's a, these are political, they're persecuting people politically, right? Um, And those are two stories that have come out of the right-wing media about the same events they're they're completely irreconcilable in terms of a narrative both of those things cannot be true right um it it can't be a bunch of uh, mega conservatives just got carried away by the moment if it was a false flag operation by the left um but but somehow republicans in as much as they're thinking about this at all because fox and and these other places are not covering the hearings um in as much as they're thinking about it at all they don't care. They still like President Trump and uh, they still think the election was stolen by Joe Biden and, and big city Democrats. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything to get through to them, you know, unless, um, you know, unless Tucker Carlson got up one night and said, you know what, <laughs> Trump did it uh, It's really bad. He tried to do a coup. Sorry to tell you, everybody, um, you'd have to sync that messaging across the propaganda networks because that's where people's opinions are coming from right now. So uh, nothing's going to get through to them. Okay, but I do think um, that some of the some of the revelations that we've seen in the hearings may be getting through to some independents, um, and that is if you if you dig into the polling, the same New York Times poll had a had a um, a separate piece up about, about people's views about democracy and January sixth and all that stuff. Um, independents pretty clearly think that Trump did something really bad here. Um, that is by by a double digit margin, independents believe. Um, that it was an attempt to, to subvert democracy, um, and that's good for for us, right? Because the same independents who believe that that Republicans tried to overthrow <laughs> the democratically elected government of the United States are are actually the same people who are probably most annoyed by inflation and high ga- high gas prices, and, it, and it's um, and they are opposed to the Dobbs decision, right? So independents are are upset about the the roe v wade stuff they're um repulsed by the president the former president's behavior and and what happened on january 6th um and they're they're dissatisfied with the president and they're dissatisfied with the economy okay um and so it's up to democrats to to hammer away um with some coherent messaging uh about roe v wade about abortion about religious tyranny um about Uh, the the GOP's move away from democracy, it's embrace of authoritarianism, um, and they have to make those issues more salient than the economy because I'm I'm sort of losing hope that the economy is going to get any better between now and election day. Um, And so it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a tough fight. Um, But the the fact that that independents are correctly registering the attempted coup, the attempted uh, uh, effort to overthrow uh, American democracy, I actually find that to be relatively cheering. <laughs> as depressing as as it is that that most republicans are completely unreachable here. Um I, I do find that hardening a little bit. I also find myself just uh, god it's like I like Liz Cheney and I, I I she's she's great. I mean she's uh, her politics are not great. Obviously they're awful. Um but you know 10 years ago you could you know you could have someone that, that wanted to cut taxes to the bone and uh, was a religious tyrant, but nevertheless believed in the peaceful transfer of power. Um, and I admire Liz Cheney for 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 sticking her neck out, for risking her political career. She's you know she's got nothing to win at this point um, in terms of what she's doing, and she's doing it well. I you know I you know how I feel about turning over core responsibilities to to Republicans when <laughs> when we should be doing things ourselves. But th- this is one case where I think putting a prominent Republican front and center in these hearings was was actually a really good move on on the part of democrats um and uh yeah she's she's really um she's really doing her part to to defend democracy and uh you know if she wins her primary and she gets reelected to congress and she's there in 2023 uh you know we'll I'll probably hate everything she does <laughs> right <laughs> but uh but in this one in this one case um you know, it's, it's hard to watch these hearings and not, not have a little bit of admiration for what she's doing. Uh,
0: yeah, no. Um, well, okay, I, I, I said I wasn't going to redo uh, the, uh, we do so many shows on the January 6th, but yes, uh, I share your uh, thoughts about Liz Cheney. Uh, and uh, I go so far as I say, when I think about uh, the recently uh, completed Republican primary for governor here in Illinois, another uh uh, issue that we uh, follow very closely on this show, uh, that if Richard Irvin f- finished third uh, and was just utterly uh, disgraced, one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen, he got $50 million from Kenny G. Um, had he run as a Liz Cheney Republican, he may have won. Yeah, And it would have been interesting to see. Had he just said, I'm with Liz Cheney, I can't stand re- Democratic policies, but I believe in democracy, uh, and uh, brought Liz Cheney to the state. Well, I put it. I think he would have gotten better than 14 percent of the vote. Uh, I think so
1: too. I, yeah. I mean, could he have made up 300,000 votes? I don't know. Um, especially with the Democrats working <laughs> for Darren Bailey, um, pretty pretty openly. Which uh, you know we've talked about. We talked about this on the last time on the show. I really disagree with that decision by by state Democrats to help. The craziest republicans in the state consolidate control over the illinois gop um you know you may win the battle but in the long run um having a bunch of uh, proto-authoritarian religious nut cases um in charge of the illinois gop is is not going to be good um and it's such a it's such an unnecessary panic move uh, because it seems like every day uh jb pritzker's political position improves anyway i mean he's being talked about as a presidential candidate He's got all these like socialists who love him now. Have you seen this socialists for Pritzker? No, I've not
0: seen socialists for Pritzker. That in and of itself is pretty funny. Uh... Yeah. You,
1: you know, when the ironic left gets its hands on you and decides it's going to turn you into a cold hero, um, that's, that's where J.B. Pritzker is. He's like one of three Democrats, you know, three Democratic governors in the country, like getting things done and reacting to the news with the appropriate level of outrage. Um, and so all he has to do is get up in the camera and be like, this decision is outrageous it's illegitimate you know and we're going to fight it with everything that we have um rather than joe biden just being like well uh i don't know folks uh my joe joey my dad said joey the court has spoken i'm tired um it's, you know it's just the contrast with just uh the, the just embarrassing ineptitude of joe biden um is is making prisker look really good <laughs> All say. right. So me,
0: before we go, I'm going to go to Biden right now. Uh, but I just have to say, I've kind of had a, a bit, just a bit of rethinking. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that are many issues. I'm like a flag uh, in the wind. Uh, so I wrote, actually wrote a combo about this. I could send it to you. I forgot to send it to you. Anyway, uh, by chance the other night, I was rereading uh, Rick uh, Perlstein's uh, book, Nixon Land, which uh, talks about Richard Nixon's election and his first four years in office. And uh, and I came to a passage about the 1972, just happened to stumble upon it, a 1972 election, where I talked about how Nixon was openly participating. <laughs> well, not openly. Uh, he was behind the scenes, participating in the Democratic primaries in his own ways with his henchmen to try to maneuver the nomination to George McGovern on the grounds that he, McGovern, would be easier to defeat than Ed Muskie. These are names lost to the past. I apologize to all my millennial listeners for even mentioning them. Uh, but... The point is, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the Pritzker strategy. <laughs> Pritzker stole it from Nixon. Right? <laughs> if that's what it takes to defeat MAGA, okay. <laughs> but just so you know, uh, Nixon was doing this long before Pritzker and the Democrats.
1: And it worked. You know, as, as George McGovern said after the election, I opened the door to the Democratic Party and 10 million people walked up.
0: <laughs> Did he say that? Yeah. That is a great line. I did not know he said that. Uh, <laughs> it's sad but true. But George McGovern would be happy to know. I stayed. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk Joe Biden. Uh, since the last time we're in the show, you were in the show, uh, the crescendo is built considerably over uh, the need for Joe Biden as soon as the midterm is over to announce he's not running for re election so that he could step aside and let a more vigorous, uh, democratic uh, candidate emerge. Uh, this 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 first suggestion came from one uh, on our show, anyway, uh, from one guest, Sergio, uh, and I. He, I had just had him on the show this week. Uh, David to do a victory lap because now I read it in the New York Times, uh, it's it's the Washington Post, everywhere. It's like Joe, step aside, <laughs> step aside, Michelle Goldberg, you know. Uh, so wh- what's your thoughts about Joe Biden, uh, stepping aside and allowing somebody else to be in charge, uh, in 2024?
1: You know, it's a, it's a tough call, um, because the history of, uh, of sitting presidents stepping aside, um, is not a, is not a happy one for their party, right? Um, so when, you know, when Lyndon Johnson decided not to run, um, again in, in 1968, Democrats lost the election. Um and so it hasn't doesn't happen often right um but uh but certainly it's it's a situation you would love to avoid if possible right like i I wish that we were not on here uh on this show talking about how the sitting democratic president you know looks so lost that that he needs to get out of the way if we're going to have any chance in 2024 but i do think that that's where we are um i i think you know we will have to endure a, a, a news cycle a terrible news cycle for the Democratic Party. Um that is the, you know, the sitting president sort of acknowledging political reality, um, bending to the to his terrible polling and um uh, and admitting that he's he's eighty eighty years old and he should probably be gardening somewhere rather than running the country. Um and uh but I I, I do think he needs to go. Uh I just I don't see any other way around it. He is um he is fulfilling sort of like the worst fears that we had early on in the democratic primary process um in in 2019 remember those first debates where he just you know he he looked like he'd he'd just woken up um after a 20-year nap or something um and and couldn't you know couldn't get a, a sentence or two out without mangling something and um you know we all know that joe biden has has a stutter right but um, everything has gotten worse for him cognitively over the last six or seven years. And you could see that, uh, early on in the primary season, it was obvious that he had lost the step, that he was, um, you know, struggling to maintain his composure, um, that, that he was sort of a little bit slow on the uptake there in terms of responding to the other candidates. Um, I, I remember watching this for those first couple of debates thinking like, there's just no way that this guy can be the nominee. Like we, do, we cannot do this, you know, um, Trump is a complete lunatic right but like he's not um senescent obviously uh not yet anyway um and so those tendencies which he I guess he he put away a little bit and the, at the end of the campaign he looked you know I, I guess okay enough for a 78 year old man in the debates with Trump um have have really come back with a vengeance um you, you know they saw this the other day he was he was uh, giving a teleprompter speech and um, he read the line that's, he read the instructions that said, repeat the line. Um, (laughs) He's like, this decision will not stand. Repeat the line. This decision will not stand. Um, and, um, so, and it's like, you know, I always, i try to be a little bit circumspect with, with criticizing Biden because, um, because the right wing is, is, is on everything that he says, you know, they, um, they want to make him out like he has Alzheimer's, and he, he doesn't have Alzheimer's, right? He's just old. Um, and this old man is not only incapable of of vigorously responding to events and and using the bully pulpit to to bring Americans along with him or um, to try to convince people to to vote in November even. he's also just delusionally clinging to the sort of institutionalist um uh, view of American politics where he just will not get on board with more radical solutions that the Democratic base is clamoring for. Um, and so you you have uh, a majority of Democrats want to abolish the Supreme Court, <laughs> according to polling, right? The Supreme Court has sunk in, in public estimation, about a 24, 25% approval rating. It's it's down there with Congress now <laughs> in terms of how much people hate it. And yet the president, whose entire agenda is at, is at risk, not just from Joe Manchin, but from the Supreme court deciding, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they're going to run another ACA case up there and got the affordable care act. Uh, these guys are radicals man. they're, they're trying to bring back what they call the constitution in exile. Uh, they, they want to reset the United States to, to the way that the, the legal regime was the constitutional regime was before the progressive era. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, the early 20th century progressive era, um, they're, they're out of control. Right. And Joe Biden just cannot bring himself to get in front of a camera Um, and get angry. He cannot bring himself to, to embrace uh, even like term limits for Supreme Court justices, let alone court expansion or court packing. Um, And it's just a terrible way to treat your own base. uh, That is to take everything that, that, um, that your most loyal primary voters want to do and just go out in public and trash it, you know? um, Like, what is the plan, Joe? Like, (laughs) If the Supreme Court has gutted uh, ab- abortion rights, it's going to, you know, they're going to come after Obergefell next, right? Gay marriage will be illegal in 25 states again this time next year. Um, they're coming after the administrative state. They're probably coming after um, any kind of uh, uh, anything invo- involving the Commerce Clause. <clears throat> um, just the the kinds of radical things that these guys could do. I just, I still think that Biden is is in deep denial about it um and he thinks i don't know what he's thinking and and as much as he's even thinking about it maybe he's like well well i don't know i mean sam alito and clarence thomas got what they want maybe they'll retire while i'm president you know and it's like no man that's not what's going to happen clarence thomas is going to sit there until the day he dies out of spite that's that's what he's going to do um and these guys are you know they took the case the independent state legislature case um that, that wants to give um gop state legislatures the right to set all the rules for federal elections including. Conceivably, just being like, "Yeah, we're not going to have a popular vote for, for the president in this state at all. We're just going to have the legislature do it." Um, the court took this case. It's a complete. It's a it's a it's a lunatic case um, with a lunatic fringe legal theory uh, that would have been laughed out of even elite Republican centers of power ten years ago, and here they are on the verge of 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 just completely eviscerating American democracy, and the president of the United States <laughs> cannot bring himself to lead. And that's what has to happen here right they need they need a younger um more radical um uh, more telegenic person to get in front of the cameras and advocate for this platform of institutional reform that we have to do i know that's a little bit self-serving because i wrote i wrote a book about it uh, (laughs) and it's no satisfaction in it Ben. but i was proven right here right about what the supreme court was going to do if we didn't do something radical um and i i just like every day that, the pre- that my own president is like i will not do that thing that's too radical for me uh it's just it's just another day where i feel hopeless about um uh, about what's going to happen in the next 10 years um and so yeah he's got to go he, uh, plus young people hate him man i mean yeah. i don't know if you saw the the poll of, of voters under 30 yeah um it just uh he's he's underwater by, uh, you know, by 40 points with young voters that, that gave him 30 point margins in 2020. Um, the the leadership of the party is completely out of step um, with what any, anyone under the age of 45 wants. And um, you can't go into 2024. You know, maybe they can eke out a win in, in November because of Dobbs, but you cannot cruise into 2024 with a candidate who, who is not going to get a sufficient number of young people to the polls um, with a sufficient margin. It is a recipe for total disaster uh, and i don't have anybody in mind that i'm like that's definitely the candidate for me um but i actually think a primary would be useful for 2024 um especially one that got young voters re-engaged with a candidate that they're excited about um and so you know there is some downside here but frankly i think the the potential upside of, of biden stepping aside just vastly outstrips the 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 pitfalls All right.
0: Uh, So much for me uh, to riff on, because that was a great riff on your part. Uh, And there's like three separate issues uh, that you raised, uh, and I'll take them, uh, all three of them, and then get your response. Uh, And I'm writing them down so I don't uh, forget them. All right. So, uh, one thing we'll deal with the issue of his mental capacity uh, and his inability to string a sentence together. And then I did that. I somehow or other missed the bit where he said, repeat the line, which, um, I, I, I gotta say, I may have made that a similar mistake if I had to, Charles Barkley did it. I don't know if you've ever seen the bit. Uh, I'm a huge Charles Barkley fan, uh, Charles. And, and so, uh, David, they set him up where he was reading from the teleprompter and, so embedded in whatever he was reading was the sentence. Uh, I, is something like I am dumb. Okay. And so I am dumb. And then everybody in the set is laughing at him. And so, uh, but I, I tend to have a different attitude about voters when it comes to, uh, for lack of a better word, senile or incompetent uh, elected officials. I've lived through uh, many more Chicago elections than you have, and I've watched uh, voters year after year elect uh, Mayor Richard M. Daly, no matter what came out of his mouth. And uh, and, and then I would listen to liberals uh, who loved Richard M. Daly because uh, God, he was throwing money at them, uh, try to tell me, Despite everything I was seeing and hearing, that no, he's really a brilliant man who reads a lot. So I, I watch voters uh, fall for Dan Quayle. You just said Herschel Walker is neck and neck in the polls. Uh, we're roughly Warneck. If I think if you were going to have a contest as to who is more incapable of finishing a sentence, Herschel Walker or Joe Biden with any coherence, it'd be neck and neck. Uh, so I don't think voters punish elected officials and politicians and candidates uh, who are mentally incompetent. I don't believe there's ever, I, I don't believe there's any proof of that whatsoever. They they overwhelmingly reelected Richard, uh, excuse me, Ronald Reagan, even though he had the beginning stages of Alzheimer's, simply because he got a quip off against Walter Mondale in the 1984 presidential debate about how I'm not going to uh, hold your youth against you. That was enough. That's all America needed. He remembered that one line. So the bar is low. Uh, the point you make, which I th- I really, I was I, I was nodding along, how he won't, and I will give you the credit, because you were the first person I, I saw in your book. You laid it out, what Democrats have to do. They've got to stop pretending as though there's bipartisanship. They've got to stop pretending as though the Republicans are playing fair. Uh, and they have to approach the game of politics the way the Republicans do it. And that is, it's a alley fight. You lay it all out in your book, which is now five years old, I want to say at least. Uh, and Joe Biden has resisted it. His, his aides have resisted it. Uh, they cling to uh, the Clinton-Obama uh, view of politics, which is where you divide the right and the left into two, two separate entities as though you're part of neither And you kind of just shake your head at both and appeal. I always, the joke I make is a swing voter in some suburb in Maryland or Virginia or Wisconsin. And then you just assume that the David Ferris's and the Ben of the world go along and vote for you because they have no choice. Well, the Supreme court, that's the strategy that Biden is following. That's the strategy you followed in 2020. He was rewarded for that strategy, David, by getting elected, by getting nominated, uh, and then get elected president. So I'm with you 100%. I think that's a foolish, failing strategy that has led to a situation where uh, a 10 year old girl in Ohio is being forced or was forced, would have been forced if she didn't go to Indiana to have a baby of a rapist. And uh, so I think those are two separate points. Do you follow me? Like The ideology of Joe Biden if he has an idea, or at least the ideology of the people who, uh, who uh, rule his political universe and his mental capacity. I think that he's following, he is who he is, to quote uh, Dennis Green. He's not going to change. He thinks this is the way to get elected. And ah, unless Trump runs again in 2024, it's a very frightening thought. Um, so your reaction to the, my distinction between ideology and just uh, mental incompetence?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, voters have been perfectly willing to send people who are not with it anymore back to office. Um, I mean, the people of Iowa are probably going to send Chuck Grassley, who's like 9,000 <laughs> years old, back by 30 points. I, have you have you ever looked at his Twitter account? I mean, the dude has just straight up lost it. I mean, he has no idea what he's talking about. Um, he... he... <laughs>
0: He's probably going to be like 100
1: years old by the time his term is over. They're going to have a Strom Thurmond situation on their hands where they got to like, you know, bring him in half passed out in his hospital cot to vote. And the people of Iowa are like, yep, that's our guy. You know, yeah. that's Chuck, good old Chuckles, you know. I mean, he gives us a laugh um, because, you know, because his brain has turned to dumpster juice. But, uh, I mean, they'll send him back, right? Um, and so I think the, I think the issue for voters is not, the fact that he's like stumbling over his words and he's, he's old and he looks, you know, you know, he looks like he he needs, uh, he needs a nap. I actually think people could tolerate that just fine. Um, if things were going well, <laughs> right. The problem here is that he's the president. Um, we have a lot of problems. Um, we have a lot of shared problems. That is, you know, the inflation hurts people across the political spectrum um, high, high energy prices hurt at people across the political spectrum. Um, and then we have those very specific problems, uh, that are being inflicted on us by, by the, by the Supreme court of the United States. Um, according to a, a very diabolically genius plan <clears throat> to offload all the responsibility for these policies onto the Supreme court. Right? Like that is, uh, the, you know, there's a reason that Mitch McConnell didn't like nuke the filibuster, um, in 2017 to, to try to pass a national abortion ban, right? Because that, the, the blowback from that um, directly on onto Republicans would have been incredible. Um, they have always wanted uh, to have the Supreme Court do their dirty work for them. You know, They've always wanted the Supreme, the Supreme Court to do the work of gutting what passes for a welfare state in this country. They've always wanted the Supreme Court to impose some some version of, of religious tyranny or allow the states to Im- impose versions of religious tyranny for them, so that they don't have to get in front of the cameras and take responsibility for it. Um, and it's like, you need a president who can go out there and tell that story. Um, because there are still people out there, there are still swing voters out there who think of the Supreme Court as the Warren Court. You know, they think of Brown v. You know, Board of Ed. and They think of uh, Miranda, uh, by the way, which the Supreme Court also just gutted.
0: Yes, they uh, gutted
1: Miranda. And uh, they think of the voting rights. You know, They think of uh, uh, Obergefell. Uh, I actually have to go back into my lectures and stop teaching Obergefell as a, as a, like, I teach the whole way. It, it wound its way through the different uh, levels of the federal judiciary. Um, and I, I quote Anthony Kennedy's, uh, was really wonderful uh, majority opinion. Uh, I'm going to stop doing that, right? Like, because it's not helping. Um, and the president needs to be out there making the case about not just what's happening, but what, what, will, what will happen if the Supreme Court's power is not checked. And to do that, you you need someone who can barnstorm the country, um, give a bunch of incredible speeches, rally the troops. Um, why Democrats are not having these Trump rallies, I have no idea at this point. You know, um, one of one of the former president's strokes of genius was to was to keep the foot on the gas at all times, um, keep your base engaged, uh, run around the country, uh, um, firing up your supporters. And look, man, Joe Biden just cannot do that. Um, I, I think of just all the different people from the 2020 field <clears throat> and not that, not that he was my guy or anything, but I think of like what Cory Booker would be doing. Yeah, in his, oh my goodness. His, I say it all the time.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, David. Um,
1: yeah, yeah no, maybe we've talked about this before. Maybe, maybe you uh, inceptioned that into my brain or something, but, uh, but I think of the, of, uh, of a young, uh, you know, brilliant politician, uh, who, who could be out there on the trail. Uh, You know, gathering huge throngs in in protest of the Supreme Court's decision, uh, telling voters exactly what we will do with that power, other than just like, give us a couple more seats and we'll codify Roe. It's like, sure, man. But then what, you know, what's your plan for when the Supreme Court strikes down the codification of Roe? And he, he can't do it. Joe Biden cannot do it. Cory Booker could do it. Elizabeth Warren could do it. Klobuchar could do it. Um, Mayor Pete could do it. I mean, there's, there's 50 people. Prisker could do it. Gavin, I really hope it's not Gavin Newsom, uh, but but he could do it too, right? Like anybody under the age of 60 with a pulse who can get on a plane and go to multiple places a day and speak in complete sentences and rally the troops and give people what they want, which is, which is a fight, right? The democratic base wants a fight. They want some way were spoiling for a fight. They want a leader who's going to go out there and fight for them. That leader is not Joe Biden um and so the again the issue is not that he's he's lost a step um which fine i mean if if the supreme court were not run by a bunch of theocrats and um and, and we weren't spiraling into terrible inflation caused by this lingering pandemic probably wouldn't be that big of a deal we'd still we'd be like oh uncle joe you know just to get some more trans am memes out there send those onion articles <laughs> yeah uh, it's, uh, that's not the situation right now I and mean, we're in a crisis and you need yeah. a crisis leader he's not a uh,
0: that's really well put, and uh, I got to just tell you that uh, uh, Barack Obama, who disappoints me more and more with each uh, passing year, because man, I had so much hope for that guy in 2008, but he didn't do what you, he didn't do what you just said, and he was young and vigorous, in great shape, the greatest basketball player uh, ever elected president, can run full court, right? But he didn't go on the road. He didn't do what you just said. He didn't even do what Donald Trump, who's seventy six, eats donuts, is completely overweight and out of shape, couldn't shoot a free throw, much less play a game of full court. You're when you were going on that riff, I was thinking, man, Obama could have done that. He didn't do it either. They ignore it. They hate the. Ba- Here's a David Sirota wrote this article. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders' uh, press secretary. Uh, and he wrote an article where he said, the Republican party fears their base. The Democratic party does not fear its base. I'll go one step further. The Democratic party, the people who run it, hate their base. They can't stand people like you. You know what I'm saying? don't even get them talking about me. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of the most bizarre things. They, their attitude is always, shut up and vote for us because you have no choice. And, Every year it's like, will they get enough swing voters to pull it out? We'll see, you know, So I hear you, man. you're uh, I have to just tell you this about young voters. Uh, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I was just going to share this with you. I don't know if you saw the article that was in The New York Times yesterday about a uh, the race for Congress in uh, New York City. Uh, so two incumbents, Carolyn Maloney uh, and uh, Gerald Nadler who've been around forever, Uh, the epitome of politicians, Democratic politicians who are long-serving, have been put in the same district. I don't know if you're following this. Uh, Through redistricting, they now have to face each other. Well, there's a third candidate in the race, a very young, ambitious, vibrant, uh, I think he's maybe early 30s, uh, independent-minded Democrat who's running at them sort of from the left, Patel is his name. Anyway, that, he's almost irrelevant, because at the end of the story, uh, the reporter was dutifully going around the streets of Manhattan interviewing constituents, uh, and he, all of whom, the younger ones, were saying the same thing that you've been saying. These old baby boomers and beyond baby boomers have got to go. They're out of date. They don't understand where I am. Uh, they don't get the situation. Uh, they're part of the problem. So, they interview this, this one woman who just really sums up baby boomers are through. I'm through with baby boomers. And so the the reporter says, Well, you're going to uh, vote in the next week's election because the primary is in, in the f- first week of August, I want to say. And she didn't even know that there was a primary coming up. Okay. So, I just want to say <laughs> I'm like,
1: yeah, I know I'm not supposed uh... to shame voters,
0: but God, you got such strong opinions. <laughs> about the mental stability and you don't even know there's a primary come on david
1: (laughs) yeah i mean all right i hate to do this i will leap to their defense a little bit then and just say that the way that we run elections in this country is so deranged um it's like there's like 50 different primaries you know uh, the, the timing doesn't make any sense at all um you're marching people to the polls over and over again for these like fairly meaningless primaries um you know i voted in illinois a couple of weeks ago even though i i didn't have any really there were no competitive political races for me to vote in. Um, this was my state rep and my state senator were running on a post and the party. Um, but I went because I, you know, I downloaded one of those guides to get rid of the, the worst judges in the world. Um figure if I could do anything, I'll do that. But uh but young people, you know, have more obstacles to voting than than anybody that outside of like tr- like really marginalized people. You know, young people move around all the time. You know, they're in this apartment, they're in that apartment, they don't know where to go to vote. Um and uh you know in a lot of states the trend you know the republicans try to make it harder it's not the case in new york but um you know there's all these registration deadlines and this, this stuff you know it's like it's like we do everything that we can to discourage them from voting um so it's not it's not surprising it's not super surprising to me that they wouldn't be aware of the primary um but at the same time like if you want to get rid of the um of the ancient leadership of the party. The, the place to do that is in primaries. Uh, you know that's you, you follow the AOC model of uh, you, you you target vulnerable incumbents with a with a young rising star, and you take them out. Um, and it's it's really it's such an indictment of the Democratic Party leadership that they continue to defend these old fossils um, with with campaign money. Uh, and then Nancy Pelosi will will get behind any incumbent with a pulse um, unless they're in the squad. Um, it's just uh, it's just. Is such contempt for the base you know the the fact that the democratic leadership got behind henry cuellar who's an uh, anti-choice democrat in texas and did everything that they could to torpedo his challenger as a young dynamic uh, politician named jessica cisneros it's it's just embarrassing for the party it was so symbolic of everything that is wrong with the democratic party and 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 the leadership of the democratic party um the, the piece i was talking about earlier the, the poll of young voters it just just um very matter-of-factly ran through the ages of all of the party's leaders. You know, it was like Pelosi's eighty-one, and it's like you might think the second-in-command in the House would be a young gun, but no, it's denny Hoyer who's eighty-three. <laughs> um, and they were like Chuck Schumer, the baby of the bunch, is seventy-one. <laughs> um, and it's like you know, yeah. I I love my elders, Ben. I love my parents. uh It's like you know, we should we should respect the, the <laughs> old folks in our society because they have a lot of they have a lot of wisdom. They shouldn't be running the place. And it's like. They are so out of touch. it's not just that they are they're out of touch because they're elites who have been in congress forever they're rich um they don't have any problems on a day-to-day basis they're also out of touch because like when you're 83 you haven't had to care one way or another about an abortion in like 30 years man. um and so it's like these things these terrible things that are happening in the united states do not affect these people at all you know they're looking at an actuarial chart they got like four years to live anyway what do they care they're rich they're going to leave all that wealth to their kids their kids will probably run for office everything's golden in pelosi land um and it's it's young folks who are getting stuck with the ba- stuck with the bag for all of these terrible policies coming out of the supreme court and all they want is for a leader to rally them um to make the case to inspire them and and it's like i don't actually think that's too much to ask for young voters you know it's like yeah man you got to show up in november at the end of the day Um, And I, tell you know, I've spent all my, I spent half my life with young people in classrooms and it's, it's going to be a struggle, man. They're, they're really, um, really dissatisfied. They are really cynical about things right now because as far as they can see, they elected a bunch of Democrats and they put their blood, sweat and tears into it and they've gotten absolutely nothing done. Uh, We're going to build some highways and extend the ACA subsidies. That's all we're getting out of this democratic government. Get lost, man. Um, And so they've got to, they just they just need new leadership. That's I,
0: I, I can't that. argue with you, and anything you said it was a great riff. We should probably close it down now because I don't know how we could top that riff. Uh, everything you said was absolute truth. I uh, will point out that one of the candidates that you uh, had endorsed, sending on the road as an alternative to Joe Biden, is was Elizabeth Warden, Warden, who must be I don't know seventy four. Uh, Okay, uh, and uh, that the most popular Democrat, or he's actually technically not a Democrat, uh, among young voters over the last five years is Bernie Sanders, who's got to be at least seventy-nine. Um, so it, I just think it's what's uh, like Bernie Sanders has shown an ability to uh, relate to people who have problems that he personally does not have, uh, and that empathy. Uh, means a lot more than how old he is. But your point is very well taken. Uh, it's really hard for me to keep going out and saying, you got to vote, you got to vote, uh, when when the results are so abysmal. And we're not, I'm not, this is national. You talk about Chicago. I, that's a whole separate show. Just the way this city is run <laughs> is Absolutely, not in the best interest of many of the young people who live here. Let's put it, like sum it up there. We just had a a race in the seventh congressional district. Uh, Kena Collins, young, vibrant uh left of center candidate up against Danny Davis, who's ancient. I've known Danny since the seventies, okay so uh and yes just like Nancy Pelosi endorsed him. Uh, almost all the, the, the black congressional caucus endorsed him. They all paraded through. We need Danny's wisdom and experience. Uh,
1: it's like, why? Why? You know, why? Uh, it's, uh, it's,
0: and uh, and to my, my earlier point, the voters responded and they uh, reelected Danny K. Davis. So uh, it's, it's a strange world. I was hoping we would end on a positive note, uh, but... Uh, i guess uh really we're not, that's about as positive as we can get uh in these tumultuous and uh crazy time
1: i mean like all is not lost right like we've got some good polls we got something to work on we have an issue to run on uh, th- things to, politically for november things could be a lot worse. Uh, right now. And, so maybe yeah and
0: uh yeah there we go we'll be talking about all that as well and i still have hopes i'm gonna bring in some um of my uh friends who are com- complete uh, election geeks uh, to go through uh, the House of Representatives to see if there's any hope, even with all the Republican gerrymandering, uh, to hold on to the House. Uh, so, yes, there is hope. I'm starting to believe that the Dems will hold on to the Senate and maybe even have a Joe Manchin proof uh, Senate. And they could just have Joe Manchin become a Republican, which is a name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do it. It's like the end of Breaking Bad. You know? It's like, just do it. Which parties? You know what you want to? Just do it. Pull the trigger.